1: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. This week is going to be another episode that I recorded for you in Germany at the BMXNet conference, and it's with Mexican piercer Beto Rea. Uh, You can find some of his work online at Kukulkan Rituals, uh, Piercer... Suspension artist, suspension facilitator, scarification artist, uh, and has a really fascinating story. We we talk about his his origins of how he, he found body piercing and connected with it in the 90s, uh, started piercing in Mexico in the, the late 90s, and really just worked his way across Mexico and, and Central America for a few years, um, ending up in Guatemala, owning a studio there, and then... The decision to uh, to leave and, and move to germany so it's a, a fascinating conversation um coming to germany and getting connected to the suspension community there and and then seeing the the work progress from there and we're, we're talking like decades uh, of a career here you know over 20 years and it's a really fascinating conversation so we'll go ahead and, and get into that conversation with beto rea in, in just a few minutes uh, I've got that new bridge-piercing narrated and subtitled video online at patreon.com slash Uh I've had uh, a lot of people sign up this last month, and I really appreciate all the support. Um, I, I just want to kind of say it, that if you're new on Patreon, go back and check out that um, the video tag, the video category, and you're going to find a lot of information. There's hours and hours of, of educational uh, material that I've been working on all through like the crazy pandemic era so you can get a dozen or more classes on there and you can also get all these new narrated and subtitled piercing videos i've got that surface piercing video and this new bridge piercing video in november i've got some other stuff planned Uh, i've got one on a a floating navel that i'm working on now Uh, i've got a doth video that um i'll be releasing sometime in november and uh, i'm working on a needle crushing video When I started trying to make these new styles of videos, I tried to do a needle-crushing one. didn't come out great, so I'm kind of redoing it, but that that should be up and ready uh, sometime in November. So lots of new content for you there. Uh, Go ahead and check that out. Stick around. um, After the interview, I am going to talk about a, a weird and kind of disturbing article that I stumbled across on CNN. All about um, not really counterfeit gloves, but uh, importation of used gloves from Thailand and how they have made it into the, um, the the U.S. distribution supply. So a couple different things that I would like you to be on the lookout for. If um, you know if you're in one of those spots like some shops where you're kind of desperate for gloves and you're looking to get them through any vendor, um, you know whoever's got them I want to buy them, sort of a thing. This is an article that you might want to look up on CNN and maybe think twice about some of the like, the, the cheap mystery gloves. So stick around to the end, but for now, let's go ahead and get into this uh, interview with Beto.
0: Okay. So, hello. First, my name is Beto Rea. I'm Mexican, living in Germany. You can find me in the social media like Kukulkan Rituals or Beto Rea, my website, kukulkanrituals.com. And piercer. I do suspensions, uh, doing scars, with scarifications. And I like to do it more in the ritual way. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's my interpretation of what is a ritual. And um, how I started, that's uh,
1: yeah, that's that's definitely something. Sometimes when I come to an event like this, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be sitting and I'll talk with someone and I'll say like. You know there are so many people here who would you want if I only had time to interview three or four people who would you, who do you think I should interview and several people bring you up and say that you have the story that a lot of people might connect with and, and something important to share so that's that's really kind of what I what I wanted you to, to talk to us about like you know like as you said you're from Mexico you live in Germany now and the the story of of how you got here and today I, I'd like you to talk about it
0: Okay, so first I started with the body piercing. Why well, I was interested in body modifications mm-hmm. because in Mexico we have a big culture and a tradition. Mm-hmm. So, sadly, it's over. Yeah. When the Spanish came, they tried to destroy the most they can so was like sleeping for a long time. Mm-hmm. No? And I believe it's a generation of people, like the new generation, like people around the 40s, like <laughs> uh, 40, 50s, years old. Where we start to rediscovering the body modifications mm-hmm. in our traditions. And since I was a kid, I was always with my family going to anthropology museums, and you see the sculptures with uh, piercings and Lip plugs, and the, uh, stretched ears, and like a, uh, extreme body modifications, mm-hmm. no, for that times. No? and so that was my first contact with body modification when I was a child. No? Mm-hmm. Imagine eight years old, see a sculpture with a huge earlobes, uh, the besote, the big labyrinth, and then like, wow, what is that, no? And then you start to read the description of, the interpretation of why mm-hmm. they was doing this, and the extreme, no extreme, uh, but the background, what they was doing, no? Like, really to have a uh, earlobes or to get a septum piercing, to get a bridge was really not for everybody so you need to be a priest or a warrior or something high mm-hmm. uh, in this status, no? in, this, uh, in these times and then, you know, with the years watching all these kind of body modifications I start to read more books start to get more interesting, mm-hmm. but I want to do it, but I was really, I have a um, huge fear about needles. Really? Yeah. Really, <laughs> really bad. Not like injections or needles. When, yeah. When I was a kid, like, I know I need to get injection, I was just running to the toilet, lock down the door, and I can stay like one or two days inside the toilet. Like, no, was no chance to get me out. Wow. Sometimes they need to broken the door <laughs> to take me out. and like two, three people put me in bed injection, no? Wow. And of course, when you have this kind of way to deal with injections, you get more traumatic experience. Mm. And was a point where I got injection, and maybe my ass was so hard, so they broke the needle. <sighs> that was my grandma. She's a nurse, so she was a nurse. So um, the old school way, where everything stay in family, no? Yeah. So they need to search for the the end of the needle into my ass so i have a really traumatic experience yeah what age would you say i can imagine was like seven years old okay yeah um yeah it was really traumatic so i was always afraid but when i was in the middle school like maybe 10 years old i start to I play a little bit with needles myself mm-hmm. but like really basic when you start to pinch your palms and yeah. stuff like that. Pierce like, through the
1: dry skin on yeah. your fingertip. Yeah.
0: Just to try to work without fear. Mm. And I have a really, let's say, difficult life. Like, in, I don't know, I, I grow in a violent environment. Mm-hmm. where. You know, you live with violence and pain every day. Yeah. In whatever reason, like physical or mental way. So, in some way I know how to deal with pain, but i still afraid of needles. So it was in some way, I believe, my way to survive, where I need to start to deal with the pain mm-hmm. and with the fears. And um, slowly with the playing, blah, blah, blah was a point where I say, okay, now I love body piercing, I love the reason why in my culture they was doing, but this fear was so big, so big, so Mm. slowly, slowly start to see more piercings. That was in the 80s, 90s in Mexico was almost not done. Like, oh, piercings like you can see now. So then I decide to do my first piercing, and was not the best experience because mm-hmm. when the guy pierced my um, eyebrow, the first thing he said was like bleeding a lot. I was like, oh, fuck. Mm. And then like, what happened? Right, that's I not something know. you want to hear from the person <laughs> yeah, piercing you. From your piercer, no? Right. Like, when you are so afraid, no? Yeah. So the guy told me, oh, fuck. What's going on? Uh, I don't know, I don't know, I need, I'm coming back. Stay there, just push uh, your uh, eyebrow mm-hmm. with your hand. So he ran away, back with the other person, and both of them, oh, fuck. Yo, hey guys, really, what's going on? Mm. I don't know, we don't know, blah, blah, blah. So in the end, we, they controlled the situation, everything was good, but then I noticed was not the best way to confront my fear. Sure. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, and they I was, intensify it. <laughs> yeah, and was like, a, if you see in the professional way, there was not really professionals in the way how communicate with the client. Mm-hmm. So then I went to after some years I go the second time I want to get a piercing and in my tradition normally when somebody die they pierce the cheeks or the lips okay. and was in respect of the dead people and in that time my grandma died and I want to get two piercings because the pain was so bad for mm-hmm. me so it was really intense. For me it was like my mom. So I pierced the nose and was more emotional. No? For me it was like really not the pain mm. at all. Like the fear in some way was like knowing the first level. So I got the nose piercing and was the way to to give a good reason what I was why I got something on my body. So then slowly I uh, start to figure out, okay, was well, not so bad, so I can get more and more and more but always was the piercings I was get, getting was more connected with my tradition on my roots like the bridge piercing or the earlobes or, and then I start to jump with intim or nipples and stuff like that and the piercer told me, okay, you looks like you are really into piercings, why you don't start to learn? Mm. Yeah, how? Oh. Come to the shop and then blah blah blah. Slowly we will. I will show you how to do it. No, and then of course I got my apprenticeship. But in that time was like um, when you are kind of like this slave in some way, right? The, you know, old school way. No? I, I think that that ex- still exists in some places. Maybe mm-hmm. less and less now, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Then I was a slave for half year Mm -hmm. and then the guy, okay, I think you are ready. Okay. You can go and pierce your friends at home. No. (laughs) (laughs) That was the old school way, no? So then with friends start to pierce them. But always I try to give like um, personal touch where I was working with somebody. Try to do it my interpretation of rituals and try to Get what I have in my traditions so mm. I like to do cleansings before to work with somebody the cleansing of my energy the decline and try to give a reason what or, yeah to give a reason what we are doing something mm. so to have a full experience in some way no And then yeah I slowly Start to get more confident with what I was doing Maybe it was not the best technical way, but it was the at least the information I had in that time in in Mexico. Mm-hmm. What 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 year would you say this is that you started piercing? That was ninety eight, something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. Was just a few piercing shops in Mexico in that time. No? Yeah, really, really a few ones. Was a lot of piercing was working or piercers working in markets mm-hmm. like alternative markets where you can buy like clothing, shoes, and then you have a guy in a, in a boot yeah. doing piercing and tattooing. Right. The most of them without gloves in that yeah. time. Yeah. That was the way knowing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of that in, in my area of the States, too, for, for a time. More piercing, not not so much tattooing, but yeah, you'd just be
0: like, you're, you're piercing here? <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And then uh, I like to travel, mm-hmm. and I was, uh, I left Mexico, many years ago, like 25 years ago, something like that. And I went to the States, Mm -hmm. I went to Canada, I went to Central America, and always I was looking for shops and try to share information, try to learn, no? Because what I got, I believe, was good for that time, but I was always hungry to get more information and Mm -hmm. the best ways to share with somebody. See how they work, show how I work, and then share the information and then, like, figure out what we can do better. That's my favorite part of piercing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And honestly, it's like not really school, or at least in that time, now maybe some some options. And I like to share. Uh, I want to be open to get new stuff, Mm -hmm. new information, new ways to do whatever we need to do. And also Bemexnet is one of the best opportunities to meet people, share when we sit in a table and we talk about whatever, you know, you are getting info, info, info. And then you, in some way you can say, my way is working or the parts of my way of working is the same of this guy and works for Mm both. But maybe it's a third person who will say ah but i have this idea or this way to do this stuff and then the three of us we will share Mm -hmm. and learn something and i believe always we can learn from somebody else yeah that's a great way to look at it yeah so i think we need to leave the ego out Mm. and this is one of the biggest problems in human beings yeah not just in piercing or body mode. Uh, but, but
1: piercers are really good at being egomaniacs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> I, true. I should know because I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> I think sometimes the, the interpretation of ego or um, arrogant mm-hmm. could be um, mixed. And sometimes uh, it's good to have an ego in some way when you are sure what are you doing but to be open mind to to learn from somebody else Mm -hmm. and if you are an open mind then you turn to arrogant in some way is what I like to see this stuff Mm -hmm. and sadly yeah like I say happens yeah but uh, I believe the people who is coming in this kind of events is because maybe the ego is not so
1: that's one of the best it's things to I- expand your perspective and your point of view is to to meet so many other people with you know different points of view and different perspectives and then you can sh- share and you can both grow yeah yeah of course
0: um, for example when I was learning I'm still learning of course but uh, when I was looking for information internet was not so good like now like mm-hmm. super easy just in your telephone now you have almost a computer no yeah but in that time when you have an internet where you buy the time for a minute and to download a picture maybe take like three minutes or five minutes and that's cost money in that yeah. time you know and then uh, you get the picture and then you need to interpret it what you was watching in that and mm-hmm. how to do it and for me it was a dream always to have something like this, like Net or the APP, or different congress where the people who love what we do come to a place, share, make a friendship, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, It's a dream. Yeah, You know, it's like Disneyland in some way for us, also to have like all these supply shops where you can buy everything. And the vendors and the jewelry and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing.
1: Right? So what was it like for you, you know, starting starting those travels as a piercer who's hungry for knowledge, and seeing Central American Method, seeing North American Method, seeing
0: everybody's different perspectives? Yeah. Um, I start to travel since I was like really young, like with my parents, of course, holidays two, three months. and Always I was like, oh wow, Mexico is big, so I want to know more places. Mm -hmm. And then like, the economy situation in my case was not the best one like you know like normal Mexican is not really easy to afford to okay I get a plane to go to Canada or blah blah blah. So I was like a backpacker take my backpack and then uh, okay let's go. Um, maybe take a bus mm-hmm. to wherever I have the money to pay. Um, from there like figured out how do I will do it, maybe work a little bit, get some money go to the next place and it was always like that. And when I saw it it was in Canada. no or when I saw it it was in in Costa Rica no? and then in some point in Tijuana I got a car and then I was traveling. I have my piercing truck oh. no in, uh, in Tijuana I was traveling till Costa Rica it took me like one year and a half wow. to go there for like 2,000 kilometers. Wow. Maybe it looks like I'm not so faster, but yeah. Well, that must have been an amazing year and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And yeah. of course, I don't have too much money with me. So I have some jewelry I was buying in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I have my autoclave. And in that time, I, when I was learning, I, I don't use a tools because we don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. Or at least I don't have it. So it was like freehand techniques. And then I got my needles and... I don't know, I was driving like 100 kilometers and then my truck was broken. So, I don't have money, so I was looking for the guys who can repair the tears, or the mechanic. Like, hey man, I don't have money, but if you want, I can pierce your nipple. So I can pierce your belly button, or if you have a sister, I can pierce the tongue, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was the way how I was making my living and to way to travel. Yeah. Working with everybody, and of course, in that time, it was not so easy to to see people with piercings, like obvious piercings on the face or whatever, no? So the people normally get close to me when they saw me, like I was like the freak from the mm. small village or whatever, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah, I do piercings, so, ah, you have some jewelry with you? Yep, I have everything here. Cool. So I start to pierce them. I was going to Burdels to pierce all the hookers there. <laughs> Oh, um that was the good way to make money. You know? mm-hmm. I have like 20 girls and everybody wants everything. So was my way to make money, I go to the next city and then, oh, okay, in the hooker's place, I can make some money, so I go there. Or oh, then uh, go to a concert and then I see the people and they saw my piercings and was the way to start to communicate. But also with the normal people was, for me was a way to, Educate to show them. I don't really need that, but I, in some way was to open the mind to the people. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning of 2000s, to see people like how I was looking was just criminals or gangsters. Right. So the most of the people was sometimes afraid. Mm-hmm. But then when I start to talk with them and they say, "Ah, oh, this guy looks like he has some education. And he is not a criminal." So mm-hmm. I think I can open my mind for this kind of body art. Yeah. And to pierce a grandma or to pierce like a small kids, what in Latin America is so normal. Mm-hmm. When you're a baby, one year old, or maybe a few days old, mm-hmm. pierce your earlobes. And I was doing a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, for me it was the best way to get closer to the people in some way educate, like we are not criminals, we are mm-hmm. just looking different, but we are human beings with feelings and emotions. Uh, we can be nice people, mm-hmm. it's not a rule, but the most of the people I like, can believe was a way to open the mind, uh, to see like, okay, this guy is a nice person, mm-hmm. uh, he is no, will kill me. <laughs> well, and you, you,
1: Then you change their mind and then you make someone that's like, oh, maybe I want to get you know, something pierced, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was funny because when they saw something, like, ah, you are like the display of what (laughs) you can do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, in some way, yeah. That's cool.
1: So, um, what came after that? When when was the first time that you were in the US and, and interacted with piercers there?
0: The first time I went to 96, I was in New York, for a few months, and then I went to Florida, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Texas, to Austin. Okay. And was the first time I, I started to see the body piercers, uh, figure out what they was doing. Mm-hmm. My English was so bad, so it was almost impossible to communicate with them. Yeah. It was a couple of Chicanos where they speak Spanish and English, so it was more easy to communicate with them. But it was not so easy. Mm. Like, the most of them, like, okay, you don't have papers, because I was illegal. Uh, we cannot give you a chance to work or to be here in the shop. So, mm. it was not really easy to get into the body piercing in the States. Yeah. So, the most of the time was this kind of reaction, no? Mm-hmm. Also, the problem of the language, no? When yeah. you don't speak the language. Yeah. It's difficult and was one of my goals to learn English. Mm because i know it's the international language to speak with whatever person yeah. whatever is your first language if you speak english you are safe mm-hmm. so i learned myself so um, i don't know when i was living in guatemala i was in hostal and whatever and everybody like a french uh, a german guy mm-hmm. and one from philippines and a latin one the only way to communicate was English, mm-hmm. and then okay, if I need to speak, I need to learn English, and also the information was in that time online for body piercing, body modification was almost just in English. Mm-hmm. So that made me to learn the language.
1: I think that's a big problem with accessibility because if, if people, for whatever reason, think that like the US is kind of the, the center of body piercing, unfortunately, a lot of the information is only shared in English. I think mm. now it's it's getting a little bit better, Spanish transa- translation, German, French translation, mm. but yeah, the bulk of it is English, and that's that's really an accessibility
0: problem for the rest of the world's body piercers. Yeah, yeah. that's really difficult. Now we have some tools, no? like a, you have Google Translator, yeah. and whatever you get, copy-paste, mm-hmm. boom, you get a kind of interpretation, or you can have idea, no? what's going on but in that times was like really really difficult to Mm. if you don't speak english will be almost impossible to get information was a couple of books Mm. Uh, danny from Wacatanka from belgium Mm -hmm. he was doing the first book of uh, body piercing in spanish Mm. and that was a really open mind for a lot of the latin community because was the first time you can get info in spanish Mm -hmm. first language and was super technical with information in that time, no, techniques in that time, but still, really good.
1: So, when you were on the road as a traveling piercer, when did you kind of start to transition into like the the next stage of your career?
0: When I was in Central America, uh, I was getting jewelry, I ordered from the States, and then I, uh, get it in the border between Mexico and Guatemala. Mm-hmm. So I was driving, get the jewelry in Guatemala, and then I was traveling all Central America in the piercing shops and selling jewelry. Mm-hmm. And equipment, because in that countries, when you get the, you need to pay 50% of taxes when That's you crazy. order something. That's crazy. So imagine yeah. is one guy coming direct to your shop with mm-hmm. like, I don't know, Thousand pieces of je- uh, body piercing jewelry, and some inks and grips needles They were super happy it was mm-hmm. a good way also to make money for me and to get connected with the people. Yeah And In that time, I was almost the only one who was doing in team piercings in Central America mm. So I called them and they like hey, I'm coming next week. You need something. Yep Okay, so if you want, let's make appointments for in-team piercings. Was Mm -hmm. maybe two or three, I can do it in one week. Because most of the people, they don't want it. Or the hookers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was the good connection. So I arrived to the shop, worked one week, doing in-team piercing, and then kind of training with the piercers, the local piercers, no? Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if I need to do three Prince Albert, so the piercers can be with me. Mm -hmm. I do two and then he do another one and then was the way to share yeah make my money and so for example I was working one week in one shop and then go to the beach rent a house like house you know like a bungalow a mm-hmm. hammock four walls and kind of roof and spend like one month there just eating seafood chilling how terrible (laughs) really hard life well that that must have been really amazing for the the
1: piercers you were helping too because you know if you're a piercer in some remote city town village and you've you've never gotten a chance to do these certain piercings and you've never even gotten the chance to talk to someone who has done those certain piercings Mm -hmm. and then you come into town and you say I have the jewelry I can do it you can watch and then I can help you Mm -hmm. like that must have been amazing for
0: the piercing scene I believe was super good for them, for me too, mm-hmm. in like I say economy way, but it's not the main goal in mm-hmm. my life, the money, but like just to share and to see how they work, how is the room, and then I can learn something also no? that yeah. was for me the best, no? Yeah. Sharing, sharing, sharing. And the way to meet the people, make a friendship for example, and then I decide to stay in Guatemala because I found a nice city where I can, okay, I can survive, there's a lot of uh, tourists from Europe or the States or whatever, who have money, I can charge like in, mm. in dollars in yeah. some way. And um, Was a bubble of all the violence was in that time. Um, with all the gangs, problems, and the cartels, and blah, blah, blah. Cool. blah. So I opened my first shop in Guatemala, in Antigua, is the name of the city. I was another piercer and me. It was two shops. And of course, because I was working in the other cities, I met the other piercers and tattoo artists. was seven shops in that time in all the country. Mm-hmm. And I saw it like a lot of people piercing outside the shopping mall or in the toilet in the shopping mall or under a bridge. And I told the guys, hey guys, like really, if we want I want to stay here. I want to make my money. I want to work in the best way I can do it. Well, I know in that time, let's put all together and make association. Hmm. And we did it. And uh, took me first like one year to put all the people together because always like ego, shit, whatever. Like, sure. it, uh, I'm the best piercer right. in town, so no I no cannot talk can with the other to one. You know, like, right. So, because I make a friendship with the all of them, so slowly, like, okay, this guy and this guy, they don't have so many problems, I put it together in a dinner. Mm-hmm. And then catch the other one who do not have problems with this one. So, I make this kind of chain. And once finally, I put all together, hey guys, let's do this, because this will save you us in, in the future. And also, we can educate the people. We can have like this APP. T- um, info, you know, like a yeah. print info, mm-hmm. and then we can give it to the customers and explain what's good jewelry, what is how to autoclave, what kind of aftercares we can do it. Mm-hmm. We was not doing the most of the time that, no? Was just like blah, 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 to explain how to clean or what not to do with the piercing. So we did the association, was working for two years, and then I left the country, mm-hmm. and then, it disappeared. Stopped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, organizations, when it gets to a certain point where it gets kind of larger, then maybe membership can kind of carry it along. But in the early stages, it really requires dedicated people. You know, sometimes only one or two or three people, but they have to be dedicated to move everybody forward. Because if you just leave it to a small group of people, there's always going to be some sort of infighting Mm. or just like, oh, I don't have the time anymore or Mm. something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's happened. um, Sadly, but yeah. That happened. Mm -hmm. I did whatever I want. That was my project. And then I I just leave the baby there. So take care of the baby, the the baby dead. But yeah, at least I have the baby. Mm -hmm. And talking about these kind of meetings was super weird because the violence there was super hard. Mm -hmm. So the only time where I was knowing the meeting, the the cartel came to the shop, put everybody you know like handcuffs on the floor, whatever. They took everything from the shop, and they left. I know they want to rape one of the piercers, but lucky one of the um, tattoo artists was late and he saw it. One guy in the door who was not part of us, and they're like, ah, something is wrong here. So he came just like with a gun and start to shoot the guy. So they shoot the other guy shoot him back, and there was super chaotic stuff, and then like, they run away, but at least they don't rape the girl, no? But they took yeah. everything, jewelry, machines, blah, 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 inks, but at least nothing happened. Nothing uh, bad happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the important part, the people was okay,
0: but yeah. all of your things were, ta- that's, that must have been horrible. Yeah, it's crazy, and yeah. then the police catched one of the guys, bring it back to the shop, and then like, yeah, this is the guy. And the teefer said to one of them, hey, I know where you live, I know your mom is this name and your sister, blah blah blah. So that's not me, no? Mm. No, no, no. That's yeah. not him. Free. Yeah. Wow. That's the way I was working in that times, no? So that was also one of the reasons why I left the country because mm some point where it started to be like super dangerous. Yeah. I have a couple of situations like where my ex-wife like he said or she said like hey this is too much well like next time I don't know if they will shoot us or not so I think it's time to go. Yeah. And then, then we moved to Germany. Wow. And what
1: what year would you say that was that you moved?
0: Uh, two thousand four. Okay. Is when we moved to Germany. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, one year before, I started with body suspensions. Also, when I was in the States, I was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the information was not so good, or was not so easy to get it. So I don't know nothing about Fakir. Mm-hmm. Also, I was in California, but I don't know nothing about him. And When I was in, in Austin, uh, I don't know, Allen was, there, Ron Garza was there, and you know, all the people, the, yeah. the, most of the suspension people was and growing. they were right there, there but you, you didn't know that they were there. Yeah. yeah. I saw the uh, suspension performance there, and I was like, wow, that's crazy, but fascinating. No? Yeah. So then I moved to Canada. I met a couple of suspension people there. I want to do the suspension. Was not really happens. Mm-hmm. And then after these four years, the first time I had contact with suspension, like modern suspension, because I was also in a Sundance in the States, and then I decided, okay, I want to do my suspensions in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. But to have the gear was almost impossible there. So I built my hooks myself to get my needles. Uh, I was like uh, this horse uh, injections. <laughs> so I got the needles, I cut it, you know, like little polish yep. to have a good needles. Yep. I don't know what needle blades in that time. So I, I make my needles and then I start to pierce a piece of chicken many times. The guy who will put me the hooks, I need to train him. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, I hope the hooks. Okay. Took me a while to do so it. So, you had to figure it out so that you could train someone to yeah. do it for you. Yeah. Wow. And then the day arrived, of course, I put the, the day when I want to do it, the time. I believe a lot in numerology and magic and stuff like that. So, I like to apply it in my normal life. Mm-hmm. So, when we, uh, we, oh, he pierced me he don't figure out in the direction of the hooks. Mm -hmm. So he put me the four hooks, like was the old way. And then I saw it in the mirror, like, hey man, but the hooks are in the other way. Oh, you don't told me which direction. (laughs) Okay, let's put it out and then put it back. Wow. And the pulley system was not really working Mm -hmm. because I just, what I saw was a picture. So was my interpretation how it works, I don't know exactly, I don't remember what happened, but the pulley was not really working, so I just put me in a table. Um, the guy carried me, like, okay, put out the table, okay, you feel ready? Okay, one, two, three, boom, you are wow. in the air. And I were like, wow, that was amazing experience, mm-hmm. intense. Mm-hmm. And then was like, okay, when I came down, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to say another person, but uh, the experience was so powerful for mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this for other people. Yeah, And that was my way to start with body suspension and facilitate suspension. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to Germany, I told my ex-wife, like, I will do suspensions in Germany. I'm like, eh, I don't think so, no? Yeah. So slowly I start to contact people like Hove, mufe, by uh, mail, because the, I was really out of internet, so okay. I was writing letters. So they just got a letter? Yeah. You're like, please, I want to talk about suspension? Yeah. Wow. And then was my way to communicate, like, yeah, but you know, like, we have internet, so you can write me an email, too. They kept those letters. Yeah, yeah, will be interesting. Yeah. Also, to some people in the States, I was writing letters, and in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, then I, I met a, um, Chandler and Andrea who was starting also with the suspensions here in, mm-hmm. in Berlin. With Superfly. With yeah. Superfly. Yeah. And then I contact them and then like, ah, you do suspensions too, Louis. Okay, I did one suspension myself mm-hmm. and I suspend two guys. So, yeah, I, think I can in some way know what I'm doing, yeah. you know, with super basic stuff. And then we we put together and then slowly start to, to have a team, no? Mm. So, and start to, in some way, experiment in, in the more safe we can, no? So we yeah. was always discussing about, like, okay, we want to do a Superman suspension. How we will do it? Mm. Okay, start to figure out how many hooks, what kind of hooks. And uh, in that time, we was also doing the hooks for Superfly. So we spend many hours, fade out, a lot of mistakes to Mm -hmm. do the first generation of hooks, and they're like, oh, these hooks, they're not really working, or they're too big, no? Like, it's really hard to pierce, so. In the end, after four or five times, we did the hook, like, was, like, really working for us. Like, okay, the hook is the size of my hand, Mm -hmm. and it's easy to pierce, Yeah, but really, that was, like, Doing um, and learning how to do the, the suspensions. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So, um, and that was when you were living in Canada? Or no, here in Germany. When you were living in Germany? Yeah. Okay.
0: In Germany. In Canada, I just got the, I met some people. Yeah. And they told me how they do it, and then okay, I think I got information. Mm-hmm. My interpretation of how they do it, and then when I back to Germany, when you linked up with Chandler yeah. and Andrea,
1: yeah. Um, so I mean, that that alone, just that like five or ten years story, is like a, a a huge story, you know. But then that's. Um, 17 years ago, so, mm-hmm. you know, where has it been progressing for you since then?
0: I feel uh, the best way was to Experiment mm-hmm. in the beginning and then go is uh, to the SUSCONS made the people see how they work for example, the first time when I went to a they told me, "Okay, now you have Alan Fagner and Hove in your team." Yeah, and are like, "Wow, <laughs> how to do it?" You know, mm-hmm. like the confidence start to be oh shit. But I I believe all we are human beings, and whatever you do in life, you can be the best one, but you are a human being, mm-hmm. and always I like to see the people in that way. You can be the best piercer, you can be the best body model or whatever, the best painter or whatever, but you're a human being mm-hmm. and we can communicate like human beings. Yeah. So I can be honest and say, hey, guys, I know you are doing this for a long time. I know my way to do it. Let's work together and mm-hmm. show me your way and I will show you my way and let's work together. That's I uh, was really lucky, the people is really was open mind, accept. My way was open to share what they know, um, was this learning process still mm. still today. Going to SUSCON, uh, we organized this um, summer camp for 15 years, I think, mm-hmm. where we was doing uh, suspensions. and experiment like I say and we invite a lot of suspension people who they show the way to work and always like watching watching asking I believe uh, in whatever in life if we ask we will get a good answer and always is like no it's no a stupid question mm-hmm. so if you have a doubt about something just ask and if you don't understand ask again yeah and if you don't understand, one yes, more yeah. time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I don't know why so, so many people feel intimidated by education these days. I mean, I, I know why, because the internet is terrible, you know, and then sometimes piercers, they, they let their ego go a bit crazy. But um, every every piercer who I know who is very good, every tattooer who, who I know is very good, suspension artists, body martyrs, all that, it's because they share information. I don't think anybody can get all the way to where they want just being an island to themselves and Mm -hmm. not sharing and not listening to other people and experimenting
0: and trying new things. Mm. That's true, and for example, when I was getting all the information from different persons, like SUSCONS, meetings, the summer camp we organized, I got all this information, and then I saw it, for example, Latin America, they was working in other way. Mm-hmm. And then I had the chance to travel and met the suspension, the local suspension crews and then, like, hey guys, let's do something together. Um, I learned some ways how they do it, but if I saw it some mistakes or some ways to do it better or do it easy, mm-hmm. I like to share it. And then like before to start something, like, hey, let's sit all the crew involved together and explain where is the material how you do it some kind of protocols and honestly I I believe is the best way to learn Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah we need to be open yeah to learn and to share and if you know something don't keep it for yourself yeah and that's that was maybe before the 2000 where was the the way when mm-hmm. you was a good piercer normally ah you don't, you cannot see how i work or, yeah. or the tattoo artist mm-hmm. yeah. now it's other time so if mm-hmm. you don't get that information the person will do it anyway because they don't care yeah uh, if you show them or not because they are hungry to do or passionate to do mm-hmm. what they want to do so why not to give that information and avoid mistakes yeah. because if we somebody do a mistake the society or the city or the government they will put attention in all of us mm-hmm. not just in the person who did a huge mistake right so yeah let's share grow together we are in the same boat mm-hmm. so that's
1: like all all the the best things that i that i know i I stole from someone else you know like they they were kind enough to share it with me and i was like oh it's why haven't i already been doing this or you know and then i do it and then i'm 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 better at what i'm doing and so i i look at it that way of like you know you as a piercer or whatever someone's doing like you've probably benefited from information being shared with you so it's kind of your responsibility to continue sharing that information and any additional information for the next generation mm-hmm. because that's, otherwise body piercing will just disappear again yeah. sometime.
0: Yeah. Um, like, if we calculate like mother piercing is not so old, maybe like 40 years or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that, 50, whatever, no? But maybe just the 20 last years, is when it's like really growing to a super nice uh, high quality status, mm-hmm. the way to work more safe, yeah. clean. Mm-hmm. But let's think about this new generation, we are really hungry mm-hmm. and they have also new tools because they grow in this uh, technology life.
1: Yeah piercers Where, that like learn how to pierce like with like a statum yeah and threadless jewelry and all that stuff like oh they're they're going to be like ama- like 10 years from now i'm really interested to see the piercers who are just starting because like they're going to be thinking of all these like brilliant innovations and i'm going to steal those ideas too
0: yeah. <laughs> and make myself better <laughs> yeah yeah because now in some way you have everything on the table you have this congress no you can go psht, mm-hmm. learn from a lot of people with a lot of experience who has mistakes or who was learning the hard way. It was not easy for most of us to learn. And now you have on the table this info. Take it and think about if it works for you, but if you find another way to do it, who works for you, Mm -hmm. do it, mix it, and maybe you will be the next one who will give you classes. Hmm. I hope so. Yeah, so, yeah. I believe we need to live ego, grow together, and always listen to the other ones. it's yeah. really important. Well, that's a great way to think about it. Mm.
1: Cool. Um, Anything else you'd like to talk about?
0: Uh, I would like to share one experience uh, with Please. the suspensions. Okay oh a couple of them one of my best days of suspension was when I suspend my mom really yeah Wow. I suspend my mom my sister and my nephew Wow. And was a process like I say um, we are educate people and I believe all generations we change the perspective of our parents to see what we do is uh we can do it in a professional way. Mm-hmm. For example, we when we have like around 40-50 years old till 60 years old, this uh body modification was kinda new, started growing slowly. Mm-hmm. And the most of us I believe or parents was like, why you want to do? Like oh, yeah. body piercings, you want to do holes Mine in the people? Were the same. You want to put ink on the people? You want to hang people from hooks? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? Or you never will do a life from that? Or, so for example, my first experience, when I suspend, I show the pictures to my mom. I have a really good relation with her. And they were like, yeah, you know, I don't really understand what you do. I respect that, mm-hmm. but I'm not really interested to go so deep of why. Yeah. Maybe one year later, like, hey man, let's sit together and talk about what I'm doing. Explain, blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, I get, I get it, why you do it. I respect that, but keep it for yourself. A <laughs> couple of years later, like, hey man, I have a performance in Mexico. You want to come? Okay, let's do it. So she's, she went just on the venue. It was like a body modification uh, meeting, whatever. So she saw it like scars, implants, and start to have more relation with people with body mods. Yeah. And then some years later, I invite her to come to Europe. It was the 60 years old birthday for my mom. Hey mom, I have a lot of work in Europe, so come over and let's make a tour of suspensions. So we go to Italian Suscon, we go to Prague, I have some performance, I have someone in France, blah, 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 come with me. I have also private suspensions. You can see more what I'm doing. Wow. And I like, okay, let's do it. She was with me and some points like, she want to help me with the working with the energy, with the suspendees. And then was in the end of these three months traveling, and sharing and see how I work and meet the people when we arrived to the Italian Suscon. You know, people with body bots, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we went to the restaurant, and my mom, oh, it's crazy. All these people, like, they look like different, but they're super nice and polite. Or, yeah, man, what do you think? Like, we will have an orgy here or <laughs> whatever? <laughs> like, no, we are normal. Yeah. For us, it's normal people. We look different, but we are normal people, mm. and educate, most of them, in the good way, no, like police, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. So she started to talk. She met Fakir Musafar, and then she met Howe, and then Lucas Espira, whatever. And they was taken to my mom. Like, yeah, let's go here, and I show you this part of this uh, LDP. Congress or I show you uh, here in France in this fetish party, mm-hmm. what's, uh, where is the suspension involved or whatever. So she was in the end like, hey Beto I really respect what you do, how you do it, I want to do a suspension. Wow. Like, okay, you want to do it here, no, I do it in Mexico, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then two years later, when I know I'm coming, or, hey madam I'm coming this day. And uh, she said, yeah, but when you can do my suspension, I give some dates, mm-hmm. say, okay, this date works for me. And my nephew, he was like, I don't know, 12 years old, he wanted to do suspension, like, you, are, you are too young. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you are 18, let's talk together. Sure. So in that year, he was 18, 18 years old. Wow. So was everything working together. I got a place, I need to spend two persons, and then my mom, okay, let's do it. Oh, I'm ready. So I put the hooks. Of course, I was shaking like, yeah, like, oh, it's my mom. Like, okay, be professional. It's a lot of emotions and feelings involved. But now just figure out it's like a, a normal person, you need to facilitate a suspension mm-hmm. and be focused on that in, in like work yeah. right, in some way. So, and then I put the hooks, my hands was not shaking anymore, so, and then we gave a hug, do the cleansing, the way I like to work with the suspensions, and then she went up, and then she has amazing times. The first thing when she was in the air, like, yeah, I can do it, <laughs> motherfuckers, <laughs> yeah, man! So, she suspend, go down, she was like, I don't know, half hour in the air, wow. so she have a good time. Yeah then my nephew yeah i'm the next one okay hooks boom 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 go up super quick my mom and my nephew took like two minutes to go up and then my nephew was also like half hour there and my sister who was just to support my mom and his son yeah and to take pictures and she's also really afraid of injections or needles like okay beto I don't want to be the chicken of the family (laughs) put me the hooks don't show me the needles just put me the hooks and pluck me and make me fly okay boom 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 hooks go up also she was like singing like half hour in the air super happy and then like okay so now i think i'm the only one who need to i'm the one who need to suspend so Mm. we are like full family yeah suspension day so uh, I call a friend, hey, can you help me to put me the hooks? Yeah, no problem. Hook me, go up. And honestly, it was one of the best days I have in yeah. suspension. Sounds amazing. Um, also, it was funny to see the way of the reaction of my mom with the friends. Because mm. the friends, like you know, like 60, 70 years old, when they ask her like, hey, Why you do suspension? Why you hook? Uh, You get hooked and fly, you know? Yeah, because it's really powerful too, blah, Mm. blah, blah. And to hear the explanations of my mom to her friends in the same age Mm. is amazing. Yeah, And I'm really happy in some way, I opened the mind to my mom of what I'm doing. She, to share the same passion and to see how she grow, like a person, mm. and to completely change in some way the point of view of what I'm doing, so. Yeah, I'm that must have been happy. really powerful. Yeah, I'm super yeah. happy with that, I'm super proud. Yeah, so you should be. Yeah I'm, yeah. Su- I'm, yeah, I'm super proud to have the opportunity to live my passion mm-hmm. with my family. Yeah. I think that's the, the the best kind of
1: family stories I hear are when, you know, sometimes parents, maybe they don't want this for their child, you know, and will you, will you really be able to make a career? And then whether or not someone can make a career, they get into it because of their passion or whatever. And then I think a good parent will see the passion and just be like, I, I need to support you and what you're doing. You yeah. know, this isn't just a hobby or something. This is, this is what you want in your life. Uh-huh. And that must be really powerful for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I believe body modification saved my life in Mm -hmm. some way. I was a crazy young guy, I have crazy life, but always body piercing and then suspension and scars keep me sober. Mm. When I was working, always like, okay, I need to be sober, this is my time. After working, I can get crazy and whatever, but in the working time, I need to be sober and that saved me a lot of times to do crazy stuff. Mm -hmm at least when I was working <laughs> and in some way keep me focusing what I want to do with mm-hmm. my life and slowly uh, growing, and be a better person in, in some way or at least a better person in my conception. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm super happy with I'm um, doing with um, I'm still loving what I'm doing, or you know, to wake up and to do. Yeah, I have a suspension today. I'm super happy. Uh, this is something like uh, not so many people have this luck. Yeah. To have that. Yeah. You know, to wake up and to say, yeah, I need to work. I'm happy to do mm-hmm. it. No.
1: And even your worst day as a body piercer is probably going to be better than like someone else's
0: best day doing a job that they hate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are really lucky uh, to travel, meet people, do this kind of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm here in Germany having this conversation with you, and I could just be stuck on my couch at home. Yeah. 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 That's great. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Is there any, um, again, like social media website that you would want
0: people to have? I'm really bad with social media, but okay. you can find me in Instagram or Facebook, uh, like Veto Rea, or Kukulkan Rituals. Uh, okay. Also, the website kukulkanrituals.com. Cool. Uh, and then you, I have also a project with my girlfriend mm-hmm. called Santa Sangre Body Rituals.com. Mm-hmm. In Facebook or Instagram, you can find also on YouTube things. Cool. And also, if somebody is interested in Instagram, uh, in this Kukulkan Rituals, you can. Find see I'm doing some kind of uh, interviews with Mm -hmm. suspensions. Cool. So till now I have like 47 uh, suspension talks where you can watch it in Instagram, this EGTV. Yeah. Uh, Also one of my goals, uh, because you never know how long you will be in this planet and I believe it's really important for the new generations to know the history Mm -hmm. and how grow all uh, this body modification life and to don't make the same mistakes or to learn how the people put a lot of passion Mm -hmm. to be in where we are now. Yeah. And it's a lot of people who was having bad time with the family, like living like in the age of money or lose Mm -hmm. a lot just to do what they Love. Yeah. And I try to show in the at least the body suspensions with this 47 suspension with all the pioneers. Mm. I'm still working on that. So it's a big project, but uh, for new generations will be interesting to see how somebody started the suspensions and why. So yeah you can check it out. That sounds great. Awesome. Cool. Well thanks. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you.
1: Alright, thanks for talking to me, Beto. I really appreciate it. It was a fascinating story. Uh, Sounds like you made an enormous impact on the the different communities and the people around you, and really shows passion and dedication to to body piercing worldwide uh, over a long period of time. So, very impressive story. Uh, Really enjoyed taking the time to talk to you. Um, One thing that I did not really enjoy was an article that I stumbled across on CNN, uh, if you are the person in your studio who is responsible for purchasing PPE, I'd really like you to, um, seek out this article and read it. If you are not the person who buys PPE, buys gloves in your studio, maybe mention it to them, maybe find the article and, um, email it or message it to them because, Pretty scary stuff. Um, It's on CNN, and uh, the title of it is CNN Investigation, Tens of Millions of Filthy Used Medical Gloves Imported into the U.S. So, published in uh, late October 2021, and uh, I'm just going to read you a quick paragraph. A months-long CNN investigation has found that tens of millions of counterfeit and second-hand nitrile gloves have reached the United States according to import records and distributors who bought the gloves. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Criminal investigations are underway by authorities in the U.S. and Thailand. Experts describe an industry riddled with fraud, with one of them telling CNN that nitrile gloves are the most dangerous commodity on Earth right now. So a couple things you need to realize is uh, a lot of the factories that make this PPE um, had shutdowns because of COVID outbreaks. A lot of materials in the supply chain are uh, squeezed. Um, space and shipping containers to get gloves to the U.S. from Asia uh, are are limited. So there's, there's opportunistic people um, without morals who are basically just kind of... Um, trying to make a quick buck. And what they've been doing is they've been taking used gloves from medical and dental industries throughout Thailand, um, throwing them in trash bags and then bringing them to a facility, stuffing them in in brand new glove boxes and sending them over to the U.S. Now, that might sound insane, that might sound impossible, but you got to realize that um, there were were import regulations um, uh, for PPE imports, but they've been suspended due to... um, the, the need for PPE due to COVID. So the article explains that um, they've uh, they've traced things through from uh, a company called Patty the Room Trading Company in Thailand. Apparently they were the, the company that was the source of these used gloves. Some of them were still covered in, in blood and, and other debris. Um, they tracked down a couple of different... U.S. companies who who purchased large quantities, and um, some of them uh, reported that they were you know sketchy gloves and destroyed them or put them in a landfill or incinerated them, but not all of them did. Uh, these companies, you know, they had massive financial investments, so some of them were just like fuck it, let's sell them to people. Um, the gloves didn't make it in, into the medical industry because there is a bit more scrutiny there, but unfortunately, it says that they did make it to the Secondary markets, which means food handling, uh, but it it also means you know janitorial services. But it could potentially also mean body art. So the medical supplies that we get um, aren't the ones that are going to be going straight to a hospital. There's a lot of allocation for things like you know top end sterile gloves and different kinds of PPE and stuff like that. So the stuff that we get access to um, through you know tattoo supply companies might not necessarily be. Um, the, the top quality because some of that stuff is going straight to medical industries due to allocation so some of the companies that were connected to uh this patty the room trading company importer out of thailand was Uport it's uwe port another is called us liberty llc and another is called air queen uh, and they were shown to have resold these gloves So, you know, if you're getting um, shipments in, if any of these companies are are listed on a box, on a packing slip, on an invoice, uh, maybe scrutinize these gloves. If your gloves um, are a a completely different company, a completely different looking box, something new, you know, you always had this one glove around the shop for years and years and years, and then because of COVID, you got these other ones in, maybe just take a good look at them. If the gloves are bunched up, um, if they're just kind of shoved into a box, if they're not neatly stacked... Um, If they look like there is any sort of debris, any sort of a stain on them, if they look suspiciously dyed or, or, or something like that, you know, really scrutinize these gloves. If you've been dealing with the same glove for a long time, if you're uh, familiar with the the box of gloves, the manufacturer, the the source, all that stuff, if it's trusted, you got nothing to really t- to worry about. But still, if things are, are drastically different for you, I know a lot of us have been struggling to keep up with with PPE demands. You know, where can we get disinfectants? Where can we get gloves, sterile or non-sterile? You know, how do we get them? Where can we get them? Uh, just be cautious if you've uh, had to switch up your vendors during COVID. So thanks for listening to uh, the bummer of that, uh, that news. Um, I'm going to ask you that if you've uh, appreciated the show, if you've been a longtime listener, if you're a new listener and, and you enjoy uh, feeling more connected to the, the overall piercing community worldwide, Take a minute and review the show. I would really appreciate it. I don't really know a lot about how that technical side works, uh, but I know that if you give me a, a five-star rating, if you give me a, a comment, a positive comment about the show, then a lot more people will be exposed to it and see the show. So especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you would just take uh, you know 30 seconds out of your day, give me a five-star rating and review, uh, and tell other people that, uh, that you like this mess of a show. So thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. And don't forget, you've got uh, a lot of access to educational content at patreon.com slash ryanpba if you're interested. And uh, thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts LLC, all rights reserved.